HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arroway, and we're here on a sort of a gloomy-looking Monday in Brooklyn. Um, it's March, you know, what, what can you say? It's kind of a... It's winter, and uh, but it's a great time to get reacquainted with the kitchen because there's not much excitement elsewhere. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it is a good time to get cooking, and uh, maybe you've been tinkering around with some, you know, New Year's resolutions to start cooking more. Um, I've had uh, a few guests on the show that have had, you know, interesting food-related technology startups. Um, this company and these guests uh, have a great concept that it's not that new actually it's been around for a couple years but it's newer to me so i'm so excited to share and their site is called edamom i have victor penev the ceo and founder and hannah goldberg editorial director hi hello thanks Thanks, guys yeah absolutely we're delighted to be here so we were just talking a little bit about uh edamom and how it works but um fill me in a bit about how how it all got started and what your inspiration was for starting it? Well, food is a passion. Cooking is a passion. So um, my personal passion. So the whole inspiration started by me thinking what to do next. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I <laughs> sold my previous startup and um, took a year off and I was looking at what to do next. And one day I realized that I think about food four or five hours a day and I cook <laughs> every day. So, uh, And I know technology. So it was uh, it was an easy, you know, leap to say well maybe we can buy it for the technology and see if we can do something meaningful and help people eat better and you know help totally. them choose you know make, make it easier choices. yeah absolutely and and fun and so Adamon, what exactly does it do so i'm looking at the site right now there's some gorgeous photos that are just um on the kind of front front home page and uh but if you type in an ingredient it asks you to type in an ingredient it pulls 
a lot more fun, beautiful-looking yeah. dishes and recipes. So in its core right now, what you're looking at the, at the website, and it's also a mobile application available on iTunes and Android, uh, we've discovered actually that people make a lot of their choice about what to cook on the go at the mm-hmm. market. Yeah. So we actually started as mobile applications. But uh, whether it's on a, on a phone or on a website, uh, what it in essence is is a, is a search engine for recipes. Uh, but search engine with a lot of added value, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So we have, you know, about 1.4 million recipes from over 500 websites. Uh, but there are a couple of things that we do that are very interesting to the to the end user. One is we do a nutritional analysis of every recipe, so you can easily compare recipes based on nutrition or select them based on your dietary requirements. If you are vegan or gluten free, or you know you want low sodium recipes, you can find those. Uh, and the other thing which Hannah can tell you a little bit more about is we um, we curate the recipes to, so that the best results come up on top. So Hannah, you, so that's you, where Hannah comes in. Right. Well, uh, I mean, I think ultimately we're trying. What we tried to build across the board, particularly with the app, was you know to cut down the time that it takes somebody to find a quality recipe that they want to cook. So you know, we really pride ourselves on that level of curation that really brings you know. The top six recipes right. are all really appetizing. You know, we have, because we do have over 500 sites um, on Edamom, you know, in that inevitably there's a lot of you know, user generated, right. there's, you know, a lot of really big recipe stables out there um, that aren't necessarily going to bring you the sorts of things you'd, what, you'd what, want to What do you mean by big recipe staples? Staples like... Um, like all recipes or big oven, you know, that, that, that kind of have pulled people's home cooks recipes from across yeah, those, the board. And those come up in Google every time I search for, I don't know, like pancakes or something. Yeah. It's like always. Well, they're search engine optimized, you know, and that's their business model. You know, they, they go with, uh, you know, advertising support business model. And so they optimize for Google to come up on the top results. And we've discovered, actually, that this is one of the biggest pain points for consumers. You know, mm-hmm. they go on Google and it takes them 30 to 40 minutes to find the recipe they actually want to cook because they get, you know, um, pardon my French, but crappy recipes uh, <laughs> up on top. And they have to click through them and they have to... And there's no easy way to compare. So right. the quality stuff gets hidden. But isn't there that, that theory that the, the cream rises to the top ultimately? You know, so some... Not some in Google. It's Not in Google? Google itself, search yeah. engine optimized. So. so it's all paid and it's all like kind of... Yeah, it's how you structure your web pages. It's yeah. a lot of technology stuff and people hire specialists oh, this is, in that. This is really big and a lot of people don't realize it. I know that you know my parents, when they're looking for a pancake recipe or something like that, they, they'll go online, You know, they'll go to Google and they'll, they'll just use whatever first right. comes up. And it, it, it's just it's the way we cook. Nowadays. Yeah, I think you should probably recommend that amount to your parents. You know, I mean, that's essentially the the problem we've solved is we, you know, we did some marketing research and interviews mm-hmm. and asked consumers what the problem is. And one took a lot of a lot of time, and you don't get quality recipes. The other is, you know, you get hundreds of recipes. You type mm-hmm. asparagus, you get seventy recipes. There's no easy way to fi- figure out the quality right. to distinguish. People really want to just, you know, four or five really high quality recipes. Right. Not one, not ten, but four or five. And they wanted pictures. And that's another thing that we've emphasized. It turns out 50% of the time people choose a recipe not even looking at the title or who made the recipe. But it's if the photo is compelling, they'll choose that recipe to cook. So we kind of build that experience in that environment. And what we've discovered is we've 
cut the time it takes to find the recipe you want to cook by a factor of 10. So we are 10 times faster than Google, and you know, I'm very proud of that. So people are gravitating to the first recipe, you mean that they see with pictures? No, if, they, oh. if, if the picture is beautiful, people oh, okay. will choose the recipe without even reading the text oh, of the I recipe. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so having high-quality good photography is important, and that's part of what we do. We right. bring the high-quality photography and the high-quality recipes that we think are tested up on top. So especially in a mobile environment when you don't have too much time and, um, you know, you want to go, that is that is very important. I'm, it's so interesting to, because I, I, I'm looking and there's 500 or so uh, websites that you guys curate from for your uh, search engine. And um, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if you've thought and, you know, meditate on what is a quality recipe? Like what makes these... And, and maybe does a picture actually help justify that they took the time to to shoot this really gorgeous picture that it has some it has some backing to the level of execution that that was written along with it. We've meditated a lot on what quality yeah. recipes. I think that <laughs> Hannah can tell you all about it because that's right. that's a lot of what she does. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously, it's it's subjective. You know, quality recipes mean different things to different people. It could be your grandma's scrapbook of of non-photographed <laughs> scribbles. <laughs> right, no, and I think, you know, we made the decision early on with the site to really focus on um, recipes that did have images because people do eat with their eyes first. And, you know, so there are a lot of sites that we think do have quality recipes that, you know, don't necessarily have photos associated with them. And, we, you know, we maintain those in the site as well. But, you know, really what we try to bring to the top is something that's, you know, visually arresting, compelling, appetizing. Um, and, you know, I think... You know, everybody has recipe sites they love, and for the most part, you know, what we and our friends were doing, we're going, you know, one by one to each of those sites looking for recipes. And so what we try to do with Adamom, too, is bring those all into one place and present them, you know, res- you know, sites that we trust. I mean, obviously, there's standards like Epicurious and, you know, mm-hmm. magazine-published recipes mm-hmm. uh, that people have, you know, used and the, loved for decades right, you know, now, yeah. gourmet recipes and Bon Appetit. Um, but also, you know, really quality blogs. Um, well, we featured you on our site a couple I, of weeks ago. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was um, an exciting feature. Yeah, but I mean, it's exciting for us to discover those kinds of things and bring them to the top. And two, particularly with blogs, you know, it's it's fun for us to be able to turn people on to sites they might not right, know, that, exactly. you know, that have great recipes that they're going to love that would get lost in the shuffle in something like a Google a search. A Google search, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, yes. and consumers actually really appreciate that feature. You know, they, they would discover new sites, new bloggers, and uh, they will, you know, the fact that they otherwise wouldn't is, is very Yeah, it's good them. for the bloggers. Um, it's good for the bloggers. So I'm, I've been having fun here typing in random food things like peaches because you can't get peaches in March now, and I see all these beautiful <laughs> peach photos and recipes. And I just typed in edamame, and I'm scrolling through them, for me, like this is like interesting culturally to see what people do with edamame. <laughs> like, there's that value to it where it's like, oh, somebody else made edamame hummus, and then I find I scroll down and I actually see my recipe for edamame hummus with wonton wrapper chips. And I don't know. I think this is all very fascinating. And yeah, that was exciting to see my recipe, but this is so. Neat. Well, there's part of it is it's. You know, is a discovery when you look for something specific. But what we uh, what we Celery found initially, slaw with edamame, like ooh. 
that Sorry. sounds very good. Um, but what we've discovered is that um, there's two really situations that people find themselves in. One is, I really want this particular thing, and they're going and looking for it, and they may already have that recipe or right. looking for something very similar to it. Uh, but the other is people just want to get inspired, you mm-hmm. know, like you just typed at a mom and maybe it's, that's what's in your mind. And, you know, you may know one or two ways to cook it, but, right. mm-hmm. you know, figuring out all the other ways that you can do something with, yeah. you know. It's a big, and I know this is why you started edamame was to have a search engine just for edamame recipes, and, and you look at what, <laughs> how far it's grown now. Right, and then, then we removed the e. Yeah. Now actually the name has a completely different, uh, completely different I'm origin. Just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's great for you know ingredient discovery too. You know, if you're mm-hmm. at the green market and you know you see I don't know purslane and you take a taste of it and you kind of think oh okay you know well what could I do with this you know and if you put well maybe not, I'm not, doing now that. she's typing purslane into the you know and so you can kind of see the breadth what? of there you know, is something of called options for a something pork like neck that. and purslane stew um, that is something I never would have thought of there you go uh, this is crazy so um, okay we're uh, what time is it okay we're good um <laughs> What is your favorite? Like, what what is something, for example, right now you're you're dying to 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 cook with? It's funny because um, this is an prob- ingredient based. Yeah, you know, thing. probably Hannah would laugh uh, laugh at me, but you know the the ingredient that I always use to test our side is kohlrabi, and I was oh, actually really? yesterday at the market I saw kohlrabi, and uh, it was it's one of the only things around <laughs> these days. <laughs> one of the only things around these days, exactly, and so. Um, yeah, and it's very apropos. And so, yeah. to answer your question, kohlrabi. Oh, this is really interesting. Yeah, kohlrabi is one of those uh, more esoteric, I guess, ingredients. And yeah, I mean, it's well known in Germany. It's but, cabbage, basically. Right, but also it's very versatile too. Oh. So it's like you know, nobody really knows what to do with it. And but you could do everything with it, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> um, my friends the other day um, came over for a little potluck and brought some coleslaw. And he put some kohlrabi in it. Obviously, nobody noticed. It was kind of in there, all mixed up with this delicious, tangy dressing. And some people were like, oh, I hate kohlrabi, but I love this. So it was... um, Well, it's easy to hate things you don't really know. Exactly. Yeah, well, I always find that very gratifying, right? Being able to take something that somebody's convinced that they don't like and prepare it for them in a way that, you know... All this stuff like turns them around on it completely. Yeah, I've had somebody actually speaking of that. Somebody that didn't like tofu Brussels sprouts oh, or gosh. cashews, and right. I made a dish of tofu Brussels sprouts and cashews <laughs> that I actually loved, and so I was like, turn there. So you love kohlrabi. I right? love kohlrabi. Yeah. Oh wow, I haven't met anyone who like loves it. Well, love is a strong word. I, I I'm, <laughs> I I'm fond of it. I'm, it's not. I'm you know. To me, not. it tastes well. It's a brassica, right? Yeah. So it's. Yeah. It tastes to me like the stem once you shuck the the skin of of the broccoli. But it's sweeter. It's sweeter. Yeah, yeah, you're and right. So I think it is. If you, yeah, it's definitely it's, uniform textured, which is so great. it can play with flavors and put yeah. salt. And, uh, yeah, huh. yeah, kohlrabi. It's it's a good one, and definitely you know around this time of year, it's one of the only things that we get to play around with. At the, not one of the only things, but you know, there's no standout tomatoes and other exciting things yep. right now at the market so kohlrabi jerusalem artichokes there's yeah. some fun stuff potatoes, out there potatoes i guess <laughs> there are potatoes <laughs> although it's getting a little uh, yeah uh, hopefully there'll be spring potatoes pretty soon new potatoes 
Um, we're going to cut to a quick little musical interlude, and we'll be right back chatting with Victor and Hannah from Edamom. You're listening to Home by Blind Benny, the Knife Show Remix on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Stay tuned. program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. All right, we're back on Let's Eat In. Today's guests are the founder and editorial director of Edamom. Check out edamom.com. That's like edamame, but without the E at the end. Um, so we're just talking a bit about the basics um, behind um, this wonderful search engine and also mobile app. But tell me a little bit more because I, I see a lot of other you know sites or aggregators that are kind of like basically all about deliciousness and gorgeous looking photos, but you have a definite... Um, uh, quality control sort of uh, value about nutrition. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. Absolutely. That's one of the early things we focused on. And again, it came from, uh, you know, the early marketing research. We found out that a lot of people do care about what they eat. Uh, and it's it's fully 100 million people in the United States, one third of the population that has some kind of dietary or health restrictions, you know, whether it's a choice, you're vegan or gluten-free, or whether you need to, you know, you, you're lactose intolerant, or, um, uh, you know, you might be diabetic and you need to, you know, find low-sugar foods. Um, so we've gone out of our way, and that's, uh, you know, kind of the, the secret sauce of our technology, but we, uh, we would read any recipe text and then analyze it using a lot of natural language processing. Uh, and at the end of it, provide a full nutritional profile of a recipe and automatically. it's really in-depth. You have, like, 
the calories per serving, daily value of your calories per day, and then you have fat, carbs, protein, cholesterol, sodium, mag- calcium, magnesium, potassium, iron, zinc, vi- vitamins, like galore, and like all these percentages for for this recipe according to that recipe. Uh, sorry, for this recipe or dish according to that bloggers or websites recipe. Yeah, exactly. You figure and that all out. Yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah we have uh, over 100 nutrients that we extract. I mean, what you see on the side on the app are just the ones that we think are most important, obviously the macronutrients, you know, fat and carb and, and protein, but, you know, some of the more important micronutrients that people care about. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing that we produce for each recipe is kind of diet and health labeling. So we would tell you if the recipe is low sodium uh, right. or you know, if it's low sugar. And also, uh, you know, since we have the calories, we allow people to search for calories, you know. So if you want something, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm dairy-free and I feel like a recipe that's under 400 calories, you can find something like that. To me, as a food blogger, I think you just added, like, a value to some of my recipes um, because, I, you know, I try to add up the little... I, I add a little brief nutritional rundown of each recipe in not eating out in New York, but you go through it in depth. And well, actually, I'm not widget. sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> like, I am I know. wrong? Yeah. Did I have something that was really bad for you? I don't yeah. know. We have a widget for you. You know, we have uh, we actually have exactly. a WordPress plugin that right. you know allows for any blogger to just go and yeah. uh, get interesting information automatically. It's uh, fun. Yeah. So, so what else do you guys? Um, what What else are you planning to do with bloggers? Because I know you've had uh, lots of. Yeah. You had this cool feature for different bloggers. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of say a few words and then hand it over to Hannah because she, uh, she actually talks to a lot of the chefs and bloggers uh, herself. But uh, what we're thinking is that we can provide an additional step of value both to the, flo- to the users, to the consumers, and the bloggers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where we're going with it is, you know, the major pain point for consumers is that there's millions of recipes but finding the few good ones is not that easy especially if you have some kind of dietary health restriction um and on the other hand bloggers produce and chefs produce a lot of content that doesn't get monetized you know maybe if you're a famous chef you publish a cookbook once a year but you know that's about it uh and we think we have this crazy idea that you know food media may become kind of like music and people actually would pay for uh recipes and menus uh-huh. online um, so um, let's hope. Yeah. So we're thinking that you know maybe you can structure uh, you know a weekly paleo subscription, and then if you find a great recipe from Michael Simon that has um, you know that fits your diet, you can buy that. Or maybe there is oh. a menu from uh, Not Eating Out, you know, and that menu like can a be menu. yeah, like a group. yeah, a full menu, mm-hmm. and then you know people would pay. So. Uh, we are starting to work with bloggers and chefs uh, to kind of get our original content that, you know, people will pay for. And so that's, uh, you know, and kind that's of what Hannah's working on. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I come from a professional cooking background and, you know, I know how much work it is to develop a recipe. And, you know, I think that for the most part, chefs and food bloggers, you know, are doing this, putting it all out there great content right. for free in the hopes of an eventual book deal and, or ad, you know, ad sales or, or something. You know, right. um, and so I think, you know, coming from a creative background, you kind of want to find different ways for people to be able to capitalize on all of the effort they're putting in and all of this content they're producing. Um, and so, you know, we've been talking now for about two years about developing kind of an iTunes for food, right? So in the same way that you can buy an individual track uh, from an album, that you could buy an individual recipe from a cookbook um, or, you know, 
That's a neat way to go around it. Yeah. yeah. Not just individual like recipes, but something Menus. that is produced. Right. Yeah. So the if place that we're starting, um, you know, with, with recipes generally, um, but specifically with menus, because we feel like there's a real value out there. You know, if you're putting together a dinner party, you spend the time the week right. before, maybe kind of you search all over and the spend <laughs> a lot of money on that. Right. But, you know, looking around, finding you know three recipes, um, you know, okay. an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert, and then you've got you know all three of them laid out on the counter in front of you in the kitchen, you know, on right. your iPad or printed out, and you know they're kind of they're jumbled. You don't know really what to do first. You've got three different <laughs> shopping lists, and so we feel that you know what we're going to try to start with um, in this model is uh, menus like that and the value add will be a totally integrated shopping list that you can scale and adjust in lots of different ways and sort in different ways and then you know that the entire procedure for making all three dishes can be integrated into one List, you know, so wow. it tells you to marinate the chicken first, and then once that's done, you know, make you can the adjust pie for how many different servings. You can adjust you know. for servings, and then you'll have a full nutritional layout as well, mm-hmm. because you know we can automate that kind of that kind of content. And so, so yeah, so we we're looking forward to working with food bloggers and professional chefs, and you know, hopefully getting. Well, kind of a more equitable exchange yeah. and, for and all of the effort they put in. Well, we, we have, you know, our strength is technology, and I think we can add value to, to those menus with nutritional analysis, with the smart shopping list, smart cooking instructions. Uh, and, you know, it's a big undertaking. Uh, you know, there is, uh, it's really swinging for the fences as an idea. I mean, we want to change the way people think about food media and that they should be paying online. Uh, whether it will happen or not, I you know I believe it will happen. I don't know when it's going to happen and whether we're going to be responsible for that. But much like it happened with music and movies and now magazines uh, digitally and, and newspapers are putting paywalls, I believe that good quality recipe and menu content should be paid for. Mm-hmm. And you know it's a question of putting it behind a paywall and seeing the consumer buys right. it. See and, what happens. Yeah. You know, it's a bold move, and it, it starts conversation, and I think that anything like that will get noticed in some way or another, and that's 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 a good thing. So Yeah. Well, what we yeah. hope is actually to provide good value for the consumer so they actually have the really quality recipes, and it's not that expensive, I mean, 99 cents or $1.99, especially if you're on a mobile, that's kind of almost an impulse purchase. Mm. But also, more importantly, or equally importantly, that's value for chefs and bloggers. Now suddenly you can start making money of your content. You know, that's if you motivation to do better recipes, perhaps. Right, and if you, I mean, imagine if you're a blogger and you have, I don't know, ten thousand followers, and you can convert a thousand of those to buy once a week a recipe mm-hmm. in our weekly menu. Uh, you know, that's. You know, that's a thousand dollars every week. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we get a cut as a platform, but still, there's enough money that you start bringing in, and so suddenly, you know, there's. I can see a lot of bloggers jumping onto this if they if they think that you know each menu they the things they they create and publish out there, you know, if there's some monetary backing Absolutely. to the quality of it, then I think the quality is only going to go up. So, um, excellent. Uh, can't wait to see and thanks for sharing that little oh, tidbit. Absolutely. We'd love to have it with one of the first people. I'd love to. All right. So first, I mean last, I guess maybe maybe last. We'll see where this goes, but um I need to ask you the best question of the show, which is what is the ultimate date meal in your opinions? <laughs> Well, mine's easy. My husband always wants exactly the same thing. It's as oh. romantic as we can get. He wants a two-inch thick ribeye steak. Wow. Cooked rare. He knows what he wants. He knows exactly what he wants. He wants that with a creamy potato gratin on the side. 
Wait, potato what? A oh. gratin. A gratin. He's French, and I trained in France, so he wants this just this classically okay. you know, yeah. steakhouse. Any, any veg? Sautéed spinach. Okay. And chocolate mousse in a large bowl. <laughs> that it's, sounds wonderful. I would totally swoon over that myself. Yeah. I'm not French, yeah. but I, I'm, I have a lot in common with her husband because that's exactly my last meal, except without the potato. I put I, I have arugula salad around it. Arugula salad? Yeah. Yeah. Arugula salad, but the two-inch steak, medium rare, and yeah. I, I've been thinking a lot about potato gratin and like spinach and like these are such a great you know winter wintery luxury like foods to make right now. Um, what is it? Do you have a secret behind your gratin, Hannah? Can I can I find it by yes. searching here? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Okay, I make I it know. up every time. But um, I infuse rosemary into it's a it's a mix of half milk, half cream, and I infuse it with rosemary, <sighs> um, and let that you know bring it to a boil, let it cool down, and then fish the rosemary out, season it with a lot of black pepper, and then put the potatoes in. Let them cook until they're about halfway through. Put them into a buttered gratin dish into the oven. Wow, that sounds much better than the having rosemary like rosemary keeps it a little a little fresher, not quite as yeah. But I like the idea of infusing rich. it because I would probably. S- like try to chop it as finely as I could, and then right, and then you've got all these little black bits floating around. Black, in your, yes, yeah. black little bits of rosemary. It probably tastes better when you infuse it and then take it out anyway, instead of like wilted green. Oh, it's got a really powerful, you know, yeah. kind of resinous. Yeah, which flavor, would so which it really is good for yeah. infusing. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll have to try that out. Right. And so you're 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 saying ditto here on that, Victor. I you know I'm. I don't remember when was the last time I made a gratin. So, <laughs> but I love infusing things. I actually just made a wine be- uh, white bean dip uh, last week, which is I did the same thing. I boiled the beans with a bunch of uh, rosemary and garlic, uh, and then just removed, you know, the rosemary, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, added a bunch of, of other things. But uh, but that rosemary lingered in the dip after that, and it was very powerful. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, so, do you have any favorite? Uh, first of all, or I guess last of all, again, um, is edamame? Does that have anything to do with edamame? No. Okay. <laughs> the name is. We looked for a short name in the dot com domain that's easy to spell, hard to misspell, and that uh, is somewhat related to food, but is not food, so I can imbibe it with meaning. And also, ad is the Slavic uh, root for eat, and am is the Sanskrit word for food. No way. And I later discovered that cool. edam is the Arabic for good food. So, what? Yeah. So many things in one. And edamame is a pretty cool little bean itself. Absolutely. But it's all subliminal. All know. right. Meanwhile, I'm going to be... Yeah, no, I didn't know that. So that's that's really cool that you, that you piled all those things into it. And meanwhile, I'm going to eat some, uh, let's see, edam- edamame, corn and edamame salad with miso tofu. Maybe I'll try the edamame soup with smoky mushrooms. Mm. And edamame and toasted coconut and avocado next, thanks to your search engine. So uh, thank you very much for the inspiration. Well, our pleasure. (laughs) And thanks for inspiring. uh, Yeah, thanks for joining us here on Let's Eat In and sharing some exciting news. Um, That's about all the time we have. Um, Thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Let's Eat In. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.